What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 11 of the Beyond the Ring podcast. With this week's guest, the, the first kind of part of the interview, we had a little bit of technical issues with the audio, but it still turns out good. You can still hear it just fine. And with everything going on with our guests, we felt that it was super important to get this out as soon as possible. So without further ado, this week on the show, we've got a very special guest, a good friend of mine, uh, recently stepped away from the competitive scene, but is been on the international scene since 2010, uh, truly one of the best performers on the ice, and was up top the podium uh, with a lot of big names in 2015 at the Autumn Classic International up in Canada as a bronze medalist. Let's welcome to the show U.S. Figure Skating's very own Sean Rabbit. Hey, Kevin. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. So let's just jump right into it. I know uh, stepping away from the competitive scene, you recently announced that's been the big news. Yeah. Uh, how does it feel? <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's kind of surreal because it's something that as you get into your later years of competing, you really start to think about. I mean, this is something I've actually thought about for, I would say, three seasons by now. Um, and you, you really start to think about it. And then, you know, eventually, like it has for me, it becomes reality and you decide to move forward with it. And it's funny because there's like a whole process to it. It's not just like, you know, you wake up one day and okay, I'm done. That's it. Right. 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 There's a whole process of, you know, checks and balances, weighing it out. Like, okay, I really feel like this is the right thing to do. So what's the next step? Well, then the next step is to talk to your coach. And then from there, once you've discussed it with your coach and you're all on the same page and hopefully they're supportive of it. Luckily, my coach, Tammy, has been very supportive of it. Then you got to tell the Federation because, you know, you're representing them and they're, if you will, your employer, right? So you have to then tell them. And for me, I wanted to make sure I gave them enough notice. I didn't know, like, if there's any, you know, kind of uh, regulations or hoops that I had to go through before, you know, making that decision final. And then once you tell them, they have, you know, said, okay, then you have to announce it to your fans if you want to. Some people don't, but I... I felt that the level of support I've received, I at least owed that to my fans. And so since announcing it the last two days, it's been the the amount of love and support I've received from everyone is just very overwhelming. Um, so yeah, it, it's been crazy. It's been a, a really interesting last couple of days to say the least. So you, you said it's been kind of this three-year process that you felt like, um, whether it be just the time winding down or um, things are just coming to an end, What was there anything that maybe triggered that decision? Um, I know, you know, by COVID definitely with the pandemic right now is putting a hamper on a lot of things, but um, right. since it's been a three-year process, has anything just kind of changed over the three years that led you to this decision? Definitely. So the first time I really felt like I wanted to um, step away from the competitive side was after the Olympic year, 2018. Um, that's, you know, usually after each Olympic cycle, there's a whole wave of people that step away from the competitive side. And so um, I was one of those. I really considered it. I had gone through a lot that season, too. Like I was doing well internationally. And of course, it wasn't like I had a top spot leading into the Olympics, but definitely, you know, there was like that little percentage that if I skated my best and everyone did terrible, maybe, you know, I would get my foot in the door, if mm -hmm. not to be on the team, but maybe to be an alternate. And my goal that season was also to get to four continents, because usually in the Olympic year, um, the Olympic team goes to Worlds, and then they'll choose a separate team for four continents. So I was like, that's really my chance. And so... Um, it's something I haven't really talked about a lot, um, but I definitely had issues regarding my weight and um, not to the extent of an eating disorder, but I was going like crazy. Like I weighed all my food and everything was like down to the ounce into the calorie. And I was just exhausted by the time I got to nationals. I was so like done, like I was on E. And so yeah. after nationals was done, I talked to Tammy and I was just like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. I feel like I've given it all I can and I'm done. Um, so she was encouraging and said, take, take a couple months off. 
So I did that. I did like a month and a half off. And when I came back, I was like, okay, I feel good. I feel like I can do this again. And I don't want to be as strict with my dieting. And that's really when I also started to get more into health and fitness because Mm -hmm. I wanted to really make sure I was doing it properly. Right. I didn't want to continue down any kind of bad path, which unfortunately here so many athletes do go through. And I definitely felt that that was the beginning of that. So I wanted to put a stop to it before it started. So started skating. The reason I decided I want to continue was my final goal was to get a Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So having had done well that season, I was like, okay, my ISU standing was good. My national standing was good. And so I tried for Grand Prix. Didn't happen, but still competed internationally at Andre Napala and did really good there. So I was like, okay, went to nationals. And that was when I broke my uh, personal best in the short, did amazing. And so then after Detroit, I was like, okay, now we're done. Like I did the whole tears. I'm done everything. Right. Yeah. That was and an emotional, right that, I remember 2018. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, that the emotions in that, um, in, that was 2019, I think yeah. Detroit, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So the uh, emotions behind that, you know, everyone asked me, why did you cry? I think it was, I didn't know if that would be the last time. Mm-hmm. Here I had already toyed with the thought of stepping away. I also, Tammy had moved that year. Like there's so much going into that. Um, And then just to make a long story short, after I came home, I started at Great Park Ice in Irvine. It had just opened up and I was hired as a coach there. So I was like, okay, this is like everything's leading to, you know, closing that chapter and moving on. Mm -hmm. Then after being there, I was like, oh, this is such a nice facility. I really want to train here. And then I found out that I had a really good ranking that year in ISU. I think I was like 60 something mm-hmm. and top 75 gets considered for Grand Prix. You know, the top 20 are automatic. And then after that, they slowly fill it in. Right. So I was like, okay, one more shot. Let's try it. And then unfortunately, I didn't give myself enough time to train and prepare for that. So I didn't get selected for one, but um, finished the season, which brought us to this last nationals everything was great. And that's when I really thought like, okay, I think I'm done. And so I, you know, the pandemic then happened. And like you said, COVID really plays a big part in that. Um, I was a part of the international selection pool for the season. So I figured with COVID and how they were doing Skate America, that would be my open door to a Grand Prix, check off that final goal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it unfortunately didn't happen for me. And that's totally okay. Like at this point, I was very okay with it not having happened. And so I said, okay, I tried three more times to get that Grand Prix slot. It didn't happen. And that's totally okay. Yep. Again, with everything happening, there's no audience at nationals or anything. And I really feed off of that. So I figured, you know, now is the time to really use this time with COVID where there's not a lot happening to kind of figure out what that next step in life is, wherever that is. And it will still involve, of course, skating and doing many shows. (laughs) Yeah. You're still going to be in skating. You're definitely not, you know, going to depart this sport by any means, but yeah, 2020, I think, you know, has been a tough year for a lot of people and it puts things into perspective where if you have an opportunity to, to, you know, further yourself as a person, um, you got to be a little bit selfish in that respect too, and, and jump on those opportunities and your coaching. And, um, you know, I know pre COVID you're doing a lot of shows and seminars and stuff like that. So you, you have a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of upside for you. I think definitely on the flip side of being a competitor. So very excited to see where you head. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you. I, you know, it's like you said, there's a lot of opportunities and for how much I was actually doing while I was competing, you know, I was coaching full-time and training full-time. And I would, like you said, go do seminars or shows in Japan or Korea or all over. And actually I was still turning away a lot of stuff because I had to be very selective with my time. Mm -hmm. So that that's another factor, you know, like I want to see like how much, how how much work can I get, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Well, that'll be super awesome. So I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it back and we're going to go back to yeah. little Sean and we can maybe reflect a little bit. Uh, do you remember yeah. when you first started skating? 
I don't remember like the first day, but I definitely remember my early years. Um, it's funny because my brother and I started skating together and we did it through parks and recs through the city. And um, Brandon, my brother, he was like fast and he was like not scared at all. And he would go for it. And me, I was a wall hugger. And I, I have this very distinct memory of being at, you know, KHS, which was formerly Glacial Garden on rink B, which is this really small little rink. I have this memory of like holding onto the wall and skating out to the red hockey circle, you know, one of the ones that's on the side and coming back to the wall and thinking like, wow, I did it. I could skate out. like (laughs) So, so lame, but I have this like distinct memory of that. And then as I got older, we did skating school and my first coach, Wendy Burge, who I was with for 11 years um, from basically start through my first year of junior. uh, She was teaching our class and it was the first time I'd had Wendy and Wendy was known for being a very tough and strict coach, even in classes. And so I remember my mom telling us, you know, pay attention, work hard. She's a very good coach. You could learn a lot. Well, I didn't pay any attention at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're supposed to be learning, I don't know, like say three turns or Mohawks. And on the other side of the ice was uh, the jump and spin class. And I remember they were learning camel spins and I was trying to do a camel spin instead of trying to learn a three turn. And what was so great is Wendy, instead of seeing that as a bad thing, me being disobedient, she saw that as I had a passion, I wanted to learn more. So I don't know if it was after that specific class or the end of the semester, but I do know that she went up to my mom and said, I want to teach your son. And that was kind of the start of it. Um, And then, like I said, we were together for 11 years and, um, you know, she took me through a lot of my first major building blocks and accomplishments. I went to junior nationals and intermediate with her and then my first sectional and novice. And then I spent a year with her in junior. And then, yeah, from there, that's when I started um, making some switches to try and better myself for what I wanted to achieve. Do you remember loving it at first or was there this, I mean, you said you were kind of scared of it, but you just fell in love with it at, at first sight or it took some time? I wasn't right off the bat, like in love with it. And I remember at nine or 10 asking my parents if I could try something other than skating, like gymnastics. Again, I like very like acrobatic like things. Even now when I watch the Olympics, it's figure skating, gymnastics. I like to watch like the snowboarding events or diving, you know, like really cool, like again, acrobatic things. So my parents were like, no, we've already, you know, no, you're not like, we're going to keep and not, not in a negative way. They just had felt like they'd already put in a couple of years to this. Like they're the type, pick something, stick with it, stay in your lane. But what was really great about them was they also wanted to try to meet me halfway. And so um, at the time I was taking a lot of dance lessons as well, because dance helps skating. And um, the dance studio I was at offered a tumbling class. And so my parents were like, okay, like you, you can't quit skating and go try gymnastics or a different sport, but how about we put you in this tumbling class and that'll be our halfway. And so I ended up doing that class for quite a few years and learning how to do back handsprings, back flips. And that was enough like that, that, um, you know, was just enough to make me satisfied with that. And so I'm really glad that, you know, one of the things as a coach that I see and even as a skater, when I talk to people is they want to do like 20 different sports and they want to, you know, if they're not good at something right off the bat, they want to change to something else. And I'm really glad that my parents were very classic and old school in the sense of like, you pick something and you stick to it and you get good at it. And if you don't get good at it, at least you tried, you know? Um, So I would say though, my love for skating, my obsession, if you will, probably started... I want to say probably when I was like 12 or 13, I had gone to junior nationals, which they don't have anymore, but it was the precursor to nationals. So if you're junior intermediate, you qualified for that. And then when you moved up to novice, you got to go to big nationals. And um, I want to say after making that, I made so many friends and it was the first time that I really felt like I was accomplished in skating and that I belonged. You know, I, I got to go to this really cool event and meet so many people, some of which, you know, my first junior nationals was back in 2001. I am still friends with to this day. So I would say that that's around the time, you know, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there is when I really started to grasp my enjoyment for the sport. 
Is there anybody that you watched maybe growing up that you idolized or that you would attach yourself with? Ooh, yes. Daisuke Takahashi. <laughs> um, there's a whole there list of skaters, you know, um, while we're in the realm of Japanese skaters, there was a skater, uh, Yukari Nakano. And so growing up as a skater, one of my biggest downfalls was I had a really big rack, which means that my um, leg that crosses in the jump, my rotating position is really high up. So your air position kind of looks like a number four. And it was a really bad habit. I don't recommend it. But I remember seeing Yukari Nakano get third at Worlds with a wrap and thinking like, okay, you know, I do need to fix this issue, but maybe maybe it's possible. Yeah. Maybe I can. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe so I can luckily I fixed the issue. It made my life a lot easier. But so there's always been her. Daisuke Takahashi has been a big one for me. I feel like he really balances the artistry of the sport and the technical of the sport. And he's also a super nice person. Um, I got when I was a junior back in 2009, 2010, I got to be his um body double for a commercial and yes we're very different heights but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it just it worked out they needed a skater and i really didn't have a japanese connection at that time i just happened to get called and asked you know if i could come in and so it was really cool because i would do the jump and they would set up the shot with me make sure that the shot looked good and then they'd bring him in to do the shot so it wasn't really like a body double but um i think it's called a stand-in so he's really nice and he was super cool. And I told him that he was my idol. And I actually just ran into him a year ago for the first time since then. And he remembered my name and he was like super talkative, like we were old friends. And um, so I have so much respect for him. And then other skaters that I really respect, Carolina Costner. Um, she, like Daisuke, has always balanced the technical and the artistry and she's never let the artistry go the performance go um another thing i really respect about her is she won the short program at worlds at i think it was age 30 or 31 and in a sport i talk so much about age and how the sport emphasizes being young whereas my successes all come in my later 20s so for her to do that i have so much respect for her and i feel like she kind of is like a guiding light at the end of the tunnel for so many skaters that do go back and forth with should I quit or should I not because of my age. Um, so I would say Daisuke and Carolina Costner are definitely two big idols for me growing up, especially in my later years of skating. So you mentioned it. I mean, and I've talked about it a few times on the show with other guests that, you know, the skating, uh, your career, your lifespan per se on the competitive track is rather short, but you have been able to make quite a career for yourself through 30 um dice k coming back and doing ice dance carolina costner you know again being up there in age relative right. let's say right what's been the right. secret for that what's been the motivator for you to kind of keep pushing through you know i think it all has to do with a little bit of a skating history lesson if you look back at when people started really doing triples and i'm not talking about like you know in the 60s or the 70s where they were doing like a triple sow or you know like I'm talking more like really putting like five triples into a program. You look at how old the men were and how old the women were, and they were in their later, later teens. I'm saying like 18, 19, and a lot of them in their twenties. So, and if you look at other sports, when do a lot of these sportsmen hit their prime? It's in their twenties, in their thirties. I think that and I'm sure I'm going to get just, you know, killed over saying this, but I think skating, learning these jumps are meant for older bodies. They're not meant for these, you know, 10, 11 year olds. And if they can do them, more power to them. But I think our sport, the development of it is meant for someone in a little bit of a higher age category. And so the secret to my success is, I didn't learn my, I mean, I started learning my triples when I was like 14 or 15, but I grew a lot. I was injured because of growing and some freak accidents, like breaking my hand. And, um, you know, I didn't land my first clean triple till I was 18. And I think that has a lot to do with it. I never really got injured from a specific jump. Again, any injury I've ever had was really a freak accident. And so 12 years later, you tell me to go do a triple flip without warming up 
right now I could strap on my skates and go do one because I am confident in what my body can do and my body has the strength to do it. And I think age in the sport, especially with like these young Russians that are just getting younger and younger doing quads and triple axles, again, power to them, but they're a dime a dozen. They turn out a new one every couple of years. And what that does is then Japan, Korea, United States, Canada, these big superpower skating countries, we look at that and then we have pressure to deliver the same thing. And although that's fine, like it's not going to change. So I say, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. And as a coach, I feel the same about that. I also am a big cheerleader for these skaters that are older in age. Like another great example is Katie McBeef. You know, I got to go to her first international as one of her teammates and she was in her 20s when she did that and she was amazing there and now she's doing pairs and excelling at that and i i just think that people don't give their bodies a chance mariah nagasu got her triple axel at what 24 or something like that you, you know and again she talks about it too like she had to kind of relearn how to use her body but then her body was ready and i think if we if there's finding that balance of we can have both, we can have the young good whippersnappers and we can have the old people also being just as good. I think that we're gonna keep so many more people in the sport. We're gonna bring in so much more viewership because no offense, people that don't skate, everyone I talk to doesn't wanna watch a 12 year old. They don't find that impressive. They find what we do as older skaters, the artistry and the athleticism impressive. So that's kind of my stance on it. I'm a very strong advocate over it. There's a, there's a lot of people that, that see it your way too. And, and personally, same, I mean, I, I want to see people stay in the sport and grow the sport. It, right. it is tough when you have, you know, a one and done gone kind of guy. I, personas like yourself, a Jason Brown, um, you know, I'll throw Nathan in that mix because of what he's yeah. doing for the sport totally. itself too. You know, there is longevity in that. And, and you know, if you're there for one Olympic quad and you're gone, like, is that good for anybody like because that's the only time they're going to put you on tv so uh, let's look back to the you know my parents know and i grew up with like a yamaguchi michelle kwan you know Botano, right. guys like that right like those names were around for so long um totally. I, I don't know what that's gonna hold for the future it'll definitely be interesting um, right i'll flip it back to you too so a guy like yourself i would i would throw a, like a jason brown back in there a tim delensky of recent yeah, um, that had great artistry, great showmanship. I mean, your skating skills are amazing. And that's not to knock on the technical side of things either. Um, but not getting caught up in, like you said, the quad revolution per se, and, and, and trying to be something you're maybe not. Uh, mm-hmm. How has that kind of affected maybe your outlook on the sport and how you were training? Um, it. I hate to sound bitter, but honestly, it's actually had a very negative outlook on the sport. For me, I was very um, fortunate to have Wendy as my coach. She was not only a strong technical skater in her day, she went to the Olympics, but she was also known for her artistry. And all of her skaters, um, another one that comes to mind, Carolyn Ann Alba, still one of my best friends, and she was a really good novice junior. We all, like anyone that's ever come from Wendy, and I tell them Wendy was my coach, they're like, oh my God, no wonder you have such good balance. We were taught technical and artistry need to be a 50 50 and that's how it's judged so why shouldn't it be portrayed that way and one of my i was actually i never competed it but i was actually very good at quad sow um those were much more comfortable for me and i could fall on it clean i never landed it which is why i never competed it because why why try something that you're gonna fall on right right right. yeah exactly (laughs) Um, Triple axle for me was never a strength. Axle in general, it took me forever to get a single. It took me forever, I think three years to get a double axle. Mm -hmm. So axle has never been a strength for me. And one thing that I'm really grateful is Tammy still pushed me to train both of those elements, but she was also really good at using the numbers and using what I did well to make sure that I could balance all of that. And so back to your question, you know, there are so many of us that I feel like are underrated and they don't the judges whoever doesn't give credit to the artistic skater and i'll tell you skating with artistry and having to do jumps and having to um 
do all of that in the pressure of competition is not easy. You know, you can go do a triple axel. Like if you told me just go do triple axel and not worry about my artistry, I probably would have been a way better skater, but that wasn't right, me. Right. I, I'm an artistic skater. And so in that four and a half minutes or four minutes, my mind is constantly moving. Okay. Make sure your fingers are extended. Make sure your back is straight. Make sure you're making eye contact. And so I don't think people realize that there's just as much technique and mental pressure that goes into the artistic side of the sport as there's the technical side. And I wish knowing that the scores are supposed to be 50, 50, I really wish that there was more emphasis on that second half of the marks, you know? So unfortunately, and I hate to sound bitter, but I I have a little bit of a negative connotation about that. That being said, I hope that skaters like Jason, myself, Tim, um, who else is out there? Josh Ferris. um, You know, I hope that we have been able to even change it just a little bit and really make other skaters think about their artistry. And I always tell my skaters, you know, you can land all the jumps you want, especially at the lower levels, you know, juvenile, intermediate, where everyone's going to do the same exact jumps. And I said, so what's going to set you apart? is how good you can skate it. Can yep. you emote right up to the second you take off from that jump? Can you emote the moment you land that jump? Those are the little things that we have to start young that are gonna carry you through your senior years and set you apart. And so I will say I'm very glad that that's what was taught to me. And that was the strength that Tammy and my choreographers and everyone always used to our advantage. I mean, I still remember, and I'll never forget, I think the first nationals I went to was in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and was it you? You did the tango for the free skate. Am I correct? Yes, I, I did a mambo, mambo free mambo, skate. Yeah, yeah. and yes, yes. standing ovation. Like I was in the concourse, yeah. people were like, "Who is that guy?" Like, oh, Sean Rabbit. He's like, "Wow, it's amazing." I'm like, "Okay, that's awesome." I mean, and then um, was it Detroit? And then even last year, at, well, this year uh, in North Carolina. I mean standing ovation short programs free skates and, and there's uh my scores that you short yeah that's that's what i was gonna get 2020 to u.s championships there <laughs> were guys above you that didn't get standing o's and the audience booed when your scores came out like that <laughs> that says a lot you know, about your performance and your performance skills you know yeah well you know it's so funny too because the booing to me kind of made up for the lack of scoring. And w- uh, one thing that Tammy, one thing I love about Tammy, she is so realistic. She's not going to like overly pump you up and give you false hope. And she's not going to like bring you down to a level where you don't believe in yourself either. She's very realistic. She's very good about giving you, you know, just enough of pump up to really believe in yourself, but also keeping you down to earth. And it was the first time I got off the, I I had ever gotten off the ice with her at a competition. I'm leaving the ice. She gives me a hug and she goes, I think you hit 80. And that was kind of my goal. Like last Mm -hmm. year in Detroit in 2019, I missed it by like 0.30 or something like that. So she was like, I think you did it. I think you got 80. And then the scores came up and it was like two and a half points under that. And that's when everyone booed. But it was kind of funny because for her to say that, you know, uh, it wasn't just the audience feeling like I was under. It was literally, I think everyone felt that I was under because again, she even said, I think you got 80 and then the scores came up and she was like, oh, okay, well, still good good score, you know, but crazy. Yeah, flawless <laughs> though. I remember the emotion going through that. I was shooting photos and that was a moment, I mean, will forever be ingrained in my head just seeing you go Thank through you. skate flawlessly and, and kind of know um, that you did everything you could, right? Right. And amazing. that was the thing, you know, I, um, I got a tweet from someone and I don't let the negative tweets ever affect me. Never. I mean, I've, I've read so many negative things about me on like message boards or, you know, seen someone write a comment. It never affects me. If anything, it makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And I remember someone saying, why is he jumping up and down? Like he just did like Nathan Chen's clean short program. He only did, <laughs> you know, a couple of triples. What's the big deal? But again, they don't understand like what goes into it, what you feel when you're out there. And again, the pressure 
that you do feel as if I can say being one of us figure skating's top male skaters, like I might not be the best, but I'm always up there with them. And that itself is a lot of pressure. Yeah. That's that's a small percentage of the entire population that you can truly say I'm, you know, the top 10 and even internationally too ranked. Right. So, um, yeah. Bye haters. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. Bye haters. You know, I don't, I don't let it ever affect me. That just made me laugh because it's like, you know, there's so much to be celebrated in that moment. You know, the team of people that help you, the hard work. And again, the pressure that you're under because you want to execute, you want to do good for you. You want to do good for your coach. You want to do good for your fans. You know, there's so many people that tell me at nationals or internationals, like I came, I flew here just to see you you know Mm -hmm. like that's wow (laughs) that's that's special that's amazing yeah um so let's rewind a little bit um yeah i would probably say one of your biggest standout moments in 2015 you medal at autumn classic you stand on the podium i think uh, it was yuzu and nam correct me yes um you want to talk about leading up to that moment because that's pretty special that was Wow. Um, that was the first time I really cried. No, actually second time. The first time I made nationals, I cried like a baby. Um, (laughs) so that was the second time I cried like a baby many years later. And after I made nationals, so again, I said I was kind of a late bloomer with getting the jumps, right? Mm -hmm. I was really good as a young kid. Then I grew a lot, had a huge, like four year gap of nothing. Then I started getting triples and I would get to sectionals and just miss nationals. And then I finally started getting the nationals and it was like, I was in the bottom of the pack and I was kind of happy with that, but I wanted more. It took me from making my first senior nationals to that point, five nationals to get onto team USA, which again, many would give up after maybe two or three, like, okay, this isn't happening. But each year I slowly moved up the rankings at nationals and finally did just enough to qualify to be on Team USA. I worked so hard. I wanted to have this big opportunity to compete internationally. And I remember Tammy calling me, it was a Friday night, and she said, congratulations, you're going to be competing for Team USA at Autumn Classic in Canada. I was so excited. Monday I come in and or maybe it was a few weeks later I came in and they had released who was competing. And I saw that Hanyu was competing. And my first reaction was like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Here is our Olympic gold medalist. And here I am first time international skater. Like, Oh dear God. Like, Never mind. Maybe I don't want to do this. Can I <laughs> can I switch roles with somebody? It's so, intimidating. It's intimidating for sure. Uh, it was so intimidating. But what was really great is I think that I had so many added benefits to being, again, an older skater. I was 25 preparing for my first international. And one of my best friends in the whole world is Richard Dornbush, one of the most accomplished U.S. skaters and he had so much experience at that point. And I remember him sitting me down and saying right before I left, and actually all my friends, I had a whole group of skaters. They took me to dinner. All of them were on Team USA or like Brendan Carey, Team Australia. Everyone had some really cool accolade. And this was like my first big accolade. And so they took me to dinner in celebration. And I remember Ricky, before I got in the car to go home and leave the next day, he said, I want you to remember one thing. I want you to remember and relish every moment of this because it's your first international and um, this make me choke up a little bit (laughs) Um, he said i don't remember that first international experience and i um i took it for granted so sorry (laughs) no you're good you're good take your time so he said when they call your name really think about like listen to it and enjoy it and um, again, it chokes me up because to this day, I really appreciate those words that he gave me. And um, when they called my name for the short program, I really took a moment and I listened. And yeah, that was it, it's such a powerful 
Sorry. <laughs> Such a powerful you're moment. Me, you're giving me jitters thinking about it. It's just incredible. <laughs> and uh, even to backtrack a little bit within that story, I remember getting to Autumn Classic and walking into the arena and he prepared me. He said, you know, like, this is your first time. There's And Han Yu is there. Like, you're jumping into the deep end, buddy. So yeah. in, enjoy it. There's going to be cameras. There's going to be tons of people. The attention is not going to be on you. It's going to be on him. And don't let that discourage you at all. So I, I got on the plane and I approached this as I'm going to go in and I'm going to have fun. I'm just going to experience and I'm going to learn and whatever happens, happens. And so then fast forward to the short program. Um, they you know, said representing the United States of America. <laughs> I almost started crying when they said that. And I'm like... <laughs> No, focus, focus. You gotta, you gotta escape. But it, it really charged me, and I just, I had this amazing short program. I, I didn't care the score, and then I found myself in fourth place, and I was like, holy cow! Like, I, I'm at my first international with top top skaters, and I'm in fourth place. Like, what the heck? And so there's actually a really funny story to the long program. Not a lot of people know, because you know we only see what's on TV, what's on video. Mm -hmm. Yep. So for the long program, because I was in the second warm-up, I didn't need to leave with the group of skaters I was going right for the start of the event. Right. And I'm one of those, I actually like to go early. I like to just be there. And this is the reason why I'm waiting in the lobby and Justin Dillon went with me as my coach. He was uh, my choreographer and secondary coach. And he went with me. And we're sitting there waiting. And we're waiting. And the shuttle never comes. Now... Autumn Classic was in Barrie, which is a little like farm town outside of Toronto. And there's like one cab in the town, probably, who knows? And Uber wasn't like a big thing back then. So we're sitting there, we're sitting there, and it's not coming. And now, like, we're coming up on the start of the event. And it was way too far to walk. You could walk it, but I didn't want to. And we called for taxis. No one came. Finally, Mervyn Tran and his family came to the hotel from dinner and we were like oh my god can you please drive us to the competition so they took us over to the rink and i walk in right as the first warm-up is taking the ice and there's only you know six skaters it's like 40 minutes it's not that long right so i was like panicked freaking <laughs> out oh so much panic um and uh luckily you know justin was like you're prepared let's calm down let's get into our zone and um again once i got out there and heard the audience cheering for me. I actually had my own fans from Japan, not Hanyu's fans, but my own fans from Japan that came just to witness this event, you know? So I, I received so much energy and power from them that it all just melted away. And I ended up walking out with the bronze medal and bawling my eyes out because I had no expectation, none at all of that. I was just there as a newbie. And that kind of catapulted my, the the six i would say more successful years in my senior career that was like the first big step and really catapulted my fame in japan as well yeah yeah how does that how so you mentioned the commercial you know you're on the podium with the, with a hanyu how did that japan tie-in kind of come in i mean they're fans of the sport in general yeah you have a much deeper connection yeah skating fans. skating there is like how we would treat like super bowl here you know like everyone here has a football team they cheer for everyone there has a skater that they cheer for i've been sitting in there's a chain of bars called um hub and it's like a sports bar and where we would play wrestling or hockey or whatever they had world championships on every single tv and every person in that bar even those that had no knowledge of skating were sitting there cheering. So Japan, it's like another level. And it started with, um, I've always loved Japan. We went to Japan when I was a teenager for vacation, and that really sparked the love for it. My brother, um, you're friends with him. He speaks Japanese. His wife is from Japan. And so when I went into college, I wanted to learn Japanese. Well, um, right around the time I started to learn Japanese is when I did the commercial of Daisuke. That was just by happen chance. And then the 2011 earthquake and tsunami happened. And I remember like tweeting right away at that point, I'd been to Japan a couple of times and I had friends there and I didn't really have much of a skating following. That was right after my first season in senior 2011. 
Um, so I didn't have a huge following. But I remember tweeting out, like, in Japanese, is everyone okay? Are my friends alive? Are they, you know? And I got a huge response from that. And I was just like, you know, it's a selfless act. I was just making sure people were okay. And people, yeah. yeah, and people took that and just, like, ran with it. And so then I was like, we got to do something. And I, um, with the help of uh, my skating club, Glacier Falls, and some people, we put together within two weeks a charity event where we raised um i think before some fees we had to pay off and stuff in total like twenty thousand dollars um to give to japan and so that really kind of catapulted me and again i wasn't doing that for like oh i want to get fame out of this i was just doing it because i love japan and i wanted to help and from there i started getting so many japanese fans on twitter and then eventually when i started instagram you know instagram and it's been non-stop since and Every time I'm brought up in some kind of Japanese skating thing, they always mention what I did for the tsunami and earthquake. And that's like so cool to me because, again, it was just something I wanted to do for no other reason but to help. And it's um, it's made uh, a deeper connection with the Japanese fans. And, you know, since then, I've had some really crazy opportunities. Um I was featured on a YouTube show. I was in Shibuya, Japan, and this uh, news crew came up to me and asked if I was Sean Rabbit. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, would you like to be featured on our little clip of like random people you can meet in Shibuya? And I was like, <laughs> That's awesome. sure. I had no idea that was like a viral TV show. Um, you know, so there's always been like this deep connection. And I love all my fans worldwide, U.S., France, wherever, but I would definitely say I have an extra special connection with my Japanese fans. And so, um, yeah, you know, it's, it, my love for Japan now is so deep and I think they feel that. And I woke up this morning actually to finding myself on, um, Yahoo Japan. There was a whole article about me and my step away from skating. And I was just like, is that real? <laughs> that's incredible absolutely and incredible. Uh, yeah it's amazing i'm i'm just i i'm so grateful like i could talk on about it forever but in the end I'll, all i can really say to sum it up is i'm so grateful i think it's you've you've given so much to the sport you know as far as it is outside of like competing i mean your performances have been amazing but just what you've done for um building a connection with the fans um coaching uh, choreography, like everything that you've done has been this give back to the sport. So, you know, it, it is really uh, an honor, I think, for the sport and the fans to give back to you and show the appreciation over the years for everything that um, you've done. Uh, well, real quick, you. You, you haven't competed in Japan, right? You've just been able to no. go and uh, teach yeah. or do seminars there. Have you been? Yeah, I've never competed. I've had the chance to do some seminars and I've done a couple of shows and performances, littler shows and performances. Um, the ultimate goal would be to be, you know, part of like fantasy on ice or one of those big like productions, um, throwing it out there in case anyone, yeah, there we go. you know, <laughs> wants to hire me. <laughs> Um, I do know that you do need a lot of times representation to get into one of those and, you know, through like IMG or one of the big sports companies. And um, that's one of the things like no one's ever reached out to represent me. And I would love that opportunity to see where I could really like, you know, bank on this. But no, I've, I've had opportunities to do shows in Japan, but never compete. And my goal was always like a Grand Prix, but specifically NHK and um, but I'm okay with that because, you know, I think when you're there to compete again, you can't enjoy it as much. And when I go for a show, like I can enjoy it so, so much, you know, and I get to meet the fans and that's so important to me is meeting the fans and creating connections. And, um, I reply to every single Instagram, Twitter, Facebook message that I receive like 90% of the time. And I don't think any of the other top skaters do that one because they receive a lot and it takes me literally like two hours a day to do it. Um, but two, like I, I, for me, it's important and it's getting harder as I'm getting more and more followers. But I think creating that connection and creating a person that you can be personable with and show that, yes, I'm this amazing skater, but I'm also just like you and me is so important to these fans. And I think it makes something that it's relatable to. So you know, 
in the end, I'm okay that I never competed in Japan because I've done shows and seminars and I plan to continue to do many more shows over there. So outside of Japan, I think Japan is always the favorite for anyone I've talked to, to whether you go compete or visit, what would mm -hmm. uh, be one of your favorite spots that you've competed at? Ooh, okay. Competed at, I would say I really liked Bratislava, Slovakia. Um, the arena was beautiful. The people were great. Um, another place that I dreaded competing at because of elevation, but I always loved competing at because of the people there was Salt Lake City. I think I've gone there for, you know, sectionals, internationals. I've done shows there uh, probably eight or nine times total now. And the people there are always amazing. So I really appreciate their support. And then places that skating has brought me, maybe not for a competition, but for a show sure. yep. or for a seminar, um, Mexico, the response from the Mexican skaters, they're so warm and welcoming and they're up and coming. And we better watch out as a world of figure skating because they're on the rise and amazing. They just love to skate. Um, yeah, Korea, I got to go to there. It. Uh, oh, sorry, just shout gosh. out to Mexico real quick. Just seeing what yeah. they've done in growth of the rinks and the facilities. And then now you're having amazing. Yeah. Like amazing. the Donovan's. I mean, and there were great skaters before that too. I shouldn't um, cut them short, but you know, uh, a Donovan all, yeah. and Andrea, you know, they're the youth of it of coming up to, to give out avenues and opportunities. So it's great to see. Um, right. Yeah. I, I would, we used to have um, junior grand prix down there. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I would plan that we would probably have them there again. I mean, the skating community is booming. Rinks are popping up everywhere. Skaters are getting triples. I actually compare Mexico to Korea as Mexico, I think, is going to be the next big um, force to be reckoned with on the skating scene. Um, and I was going to say Korea, I got to go there right before the pandemic started, and I got to work with um, Coach Chi, who is one of their top, top coaches and all of her skaters. And um, I got to coach Hayen uh, Lee before she went to Junior Worlds. And they're amazing too, their hospitality. But you look at Korea and what Yuna Kim do, did for them and where they are now, and it just took one skater. And I feel like it's the same for Mexico. You know, they've got Donovan and Andrea and then this whole group of novice and juniors that are really just killing it. And I think that Mexico is definitely going to be the next force to be reckoned with. And I'm very proud that I've been able to have a small hand in helping their skaters and hope to continue that as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so let's, uh, let's try and wrap it up a little bit. We've got a lot sure. to, uh, that we've covered, but, uh, what, um, what would you tell a young, young Sean who is on the ice and just getting started and maybe a little frustrated at the sport itself, but, but loves it. What would you tell a young Sean that you've learned throughout all this, this long journey a, that you've been on? That's a, a great question. question. <laughs> that's a, it's a really great question. Um, I feel I can relate to so many skaters. I always get like, you know, people will say something to me about their experience and then they'll say, oh, but you wouldn't know because you're such a good skater. But what they don't know is, again, the early years. And there's a lot of top skaters that have always been good. Nathan, Jason, they've always been good. I'm sure they've always they've had their own battles to overcome, no doubt. But they've always been good. And I can relate to the, quote, not good skater the one that no one cares about. And so what I would give to a young me or to any young skater is if you stick it out and you work hard, and most of all, you love it, you're going to find a place for you. Whether that, again, is on Team USA or at Nationals or testing out at Senior, whatever your goal is and whatever brings joy to you in that sport, I think you're going to find it as long as you stick it out. You're going to have hard days. You're going to have times. The hardest part for me was, again, as a teenager, as I wasn't progressing and all my good friends were progressing and getting their triples and going to nationals and getting internationals. And here I was sitting at home, not doing anything. That was tough. And there were people telling me, quit or go into pairs or go into ice dance or, you know, become a judge, stop wasting your parents' money. And that's actually how I started coaching. Um, I started coaching just as something else to do to kind of transition out eventually. And here we are now. So I would tell a young Sean 
to stick it out. Your time will come. It's going to be a different path than many, and that's okay. You don't have to follow the mainstream path that most skaters take. And in the end, it's going to work out. Everything will be fine. And I know every every person that gets that kind of question says that everything will be fine. But it's, you know, kind of, it's cliche in a way, but it's really not. And I, I really think that as long as you're accepting of your journey and you, again, just enjoy the process, everything will happen how it's supposed to. And I would like to kind of round that out with saying, I logged into Facebook and my memories popped up on Friday morning before I announced that I was stepping away from competing. And that happened to be the 10 year anniversary of me qualifying for my first senior nationals. I had come across the Facebook post that same day and it said I qualified for my first senior national. So, you know, everything comes full circle and the stars align for everybody. Yeah, it's a 10 year journey. And I think, you know, at the senior level, you definitely put in a lot of years before that too. Um, but that, you know, there is something to be said about just believing in the process and we are so, uh, attached to instant gratification these days, whether it be with social media or online shopping and stuff like that. Like for, we forget that there's this process that can take you left and right and up and down and around and under that you yeah. still may end up at, you know, a, a different end goal, but you right. can still be in doing something you love and enjoying that journey along the way. And the journey truly is the most important part. Winning, winning the medal would be, uh, you know, just irrelevant if you just want it, that you didn't put in all the hard work for, right. It means something right. because you put in the hard work. Right. Definitely. And so, you know, for me, the journey is going to continue. Um, I'm definitely not stepping away from this. Uh, I'm just not competing. So it's not retirement. I'm just not competing. I still plan, you know, to skate and do shows because of like what you just said, you know, it's not about the medals. I love to skate. I think I still have so much more I can offer to the sport as a skater, as an athlete and as a coach. And so I really plan to pursue both. Um, I do definitely want to fill up my coaching career now with more students and help them achieve that next goal. But yeah, it's what you said. It's not about the middle. It's about the process and enjoying it and learning to enjoy the process. Well, that's awesome. I'll cap it right there. Unless you got anything else you want to talk about. That was, a, that was amazing. That was fun. No, that, that works for me. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> you got me to cry. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys really enjoyed that one. Uh, it was really good to catch up with a good friend, Sean. Uh, I've known for years in and out of the ranks, even before I got really into the figure skating world. It was really nice to hear Sean talk about his step away from competitive skating and, and doing it on his own accord. What he's been able to do and accomplish through his skating career, nothing short of amazing. And it again, it comes down to some of the interviews we've had in the past where you're remembering that the result isn't always what defines you it's the journey um, that you learn your best lessons from so hope everybody has a great rest of their week and we look forward to seeing you next week cheers